the easiest schedule in the history of the New Orleans Saints franchise was released on Thursday. But yet you look at it, and I don't know. To me, when I look at it with all the dates next to it and the away and the home and the away and the away and the away and the home and the Thursday, maybe it's not as easy as we think. There he goes being Derry Downer again. Got to be negative about something. Well, I mean, I just got to tell it like it is. And we're going to have Zach Ewing on to talk about the Saints schedule. And my favorite segment maybe of this calendar year so far, talking baseball with one of the top beat writers in the United States of America, Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch, coming on on Datitude on a special 150th episode. How in the hell have they let me go? and do this for 150 episodes. I don't know. We better hurry up and finish before they pull the plug. Coming up next on Datitude. If you're looking for the latest scoop and in-depth interviews on the Saints, the NFL, the Pelicans, LSU, along with the best bets of the week, then lucky you. Along with high-powered, in-the-know guests who cover our teams, Jim Derry brings plenty of datitude. And he'll always tell you the way it is, or at least the way he thinks it is. Where are you at, New Orleans? And hello to all my friends elsewhere who are wondering what the hell they're going to do with their kids for the next 10 weeks. Last Friday of the school year, at least in these parts, oh, my goodness. It really is. I mean, it goes by so fast. And the older I get, as as I keep going, you know, these kids keep going to school. They keep finishing school. They start school. They finish. Duh. The faster it goes. It's hard to believe it is the final Friday of the school year as we gear towards summer, and it can only mean one thing, some good, some bad. The good is I'm going to get a little break here, um, well, sort of a break. We won't, you know, we we got to gear up, and then half the summer we take a little bit of a break, and then the second half of the summer we're doing so much stuff behind the scenes getting ready for football season, it gets crazy. So it is what it is. What this is, is Datitude, a special. I mean, you can tell me afterwards whether you think it's special or not, but it's special for me because it's episode number 150. It seems like yesterday we were doing the um, 100th episode with the old Duncan Holder crew, Jeff Duncan, Larry Holder, and Clyde Verdan. That seems like yesterday. Well, we're halfway to 200 now, from 100 to 2. Well, I guess we're three-quarters of the way to 200. But from 100 to 200, even my limited Shaw math tells me that we're halfway there. Datitude episode number 150 for a Friday, May the 12th, 2023. I am Jim Derry, sports betting writer at the time, speaking of the advocate at bet.nola.com. And as you heard in my long-winded, I don't do anything short-winded. If you've listened to even like 10 of the 150 episodes, you know that I just don't do things that are short-winded. I, I try sometimes, you know, There are a lot of things that I've learned and things that I've done well over the course of 150 episodes. Um, Learning how to be short-winded isn't one of them. Even today, you know, I'm okay, we're going to have Zach on for a few minutes, talk about the Saints. 
I don't think Derek Gould's going to stay on that long. I'm thinking in total, that's going to be 30 to 40 minutes, and we'll move on, and I'll have a podcast that's an hour or maybe just under an hour for a change. Nope. Nope. I'm just telling you now, the the interviews combined, I don't know how long they are, each of them, because I didn't pay attention as much, but um, it ends up being a little over an hour. But I hadn't talked to Derek in person. Um, well, I mean, in, in the virtual world, I guess it's considered in person. I mean, he wasn't sitting next to me. I mean, he's sitting in his house in St. Louis, or at least in the St. Louis area, and we were talking, but we were looking at each other. Does that count? Is it person these days? I don't know. But I don't, hadn't talked to him since the 2016 World Series when I ran into him at Wrigley Field. So it's been a while. Uh, glad to be able to talk, chat with him. He is a Times-Picayune alum, for those of you who don't know. He started his career at the Times-Picayune back in the uh, late 90s. I mean, middle 90s, I guess, mid-90s. And uh, we, we played on a really kind of bad softball team together. Yeah. <laughs> Imagine me playing softball. That was quite the day. But uh, he is coming on the show, and he has definitely made a name for himself in the world of baseball covering the St. Louis Cardinals and really all of baseball for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. He'll be on, oh, in about 30, 40 minutes or so. Um, my thought process looking at the Saints' schedule, and obviously that's the main topic of today around these parts. And, you know, going in, and we, we did this thing on bet.nola.com earlier in the week um, where I came up with this formula of strength of schedule. And the way that I did it was I took the projected win totals on the over-under win totals on Caesar Sportsbook, which, by the way, is the official odds partner of bet.nola.com, shameless plug. And I took those win totals and then created a formula based off of whether they were juiced to the over or the under. Um, I'm not going to go into the intricate details, but uh, we found a way that made it work. And basically, with the numbers that we came out with in the end were the, I guess you would call them the projected wins for all of the opponents of each team. The highest number was 9.12. So that means that um, just shy of 9.5, I guess. Well, it's considerably shy of 9.5. But if you took a team that their projected win totals for their opponents are 9.12 out of 17, and then at the bottom, the last team on the list was the Saints. And I think the Saints were like 7.66. So the projected win total for the Saints opponents, if you use the sports books, who are usually pretty darn good at these things, is two games below 500. So just inherently, the easiest, you know, if you look, they were the easiest schedule by that formula in the NFL. The team right above them is the Atlanta Falcons, the NFC South. It's kind of like the NFC East from last year. The NFC East had overwhelmingly the easiest schedule in the NFL last year. And it's the case this year for the NFC South. Um, does that mean the NFC champion will come out of the NFC South? Well, you know, everybody's saying it's an awful division. And I think it is weaker than usual, and especially now that Tom Brady's gone. I mean, you look at the quarterbacks in the league, and you're talking about Desmond Ritter, and Bryce Young, and Baker Mayfield. And there's no question that Derek Carr is the best quarterback, at least going into the season. Zero question. Whatever you think about Derek Carr, he is unquestionably the best quarterback in that division. But is the division awful? 
I think you're going to be surprised at some of these records. I think you might have, I think it's possible. I'm not saying it's going to happen. I think it's possible three teams in the NFC South have at least nine wins, given them a winning record. Again, is it likely? Probably not likely, but it's unquestionably possible. I mean, a lot of people think, you know, the Saints over under right now on wins is nine and a half. And people, when they saw that number, you know, I'm going on fourth down and four on Sunday. I pre-recorded a segment with Doug Mouton, uh, yeah, uh two days ago now, I guess. Um, and one of the things we were talking about afterwards, and we were talking about the over-under win total and whether I thought it was a legitimate number. And one of the things that we talk about, he, he says afterwards, you know, when I was trying to guess what the number would be and I was t- he was talking with some cohorts, um, colleagues, and, they, and he thought it would be like eight or eight and a half. But what people don't factor in is the schedule. And so without knowing when the Saints would play these opponents, I was very high on the over nine and a half. And I still am lean to the over nine and a half more than I don't. But when you look at this schedule, it's certainly, they put it together, although it's easy in the standard of they only play Five of their 17 games are against teams that went to the playoffs last year. Playoffs. See, can't do it. Um, And two of those games are against Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay is going to be awful this year. So throw those two out. So then only three of their other games, three other games on their entire schedule are against teams that went to the playoffs. Jacksonville on October 19th, which is a Thursday. Um, The Giants on December the 17th. Um, and where's the other one? The other one is Minnesota at Minnesota on November 12th. So if you take Tampa Bay out of the equation, the Saints don't play a team that went to the playoffs, playoffs since, you know, last year until October the 19th. Well, it's a good thing if you're a Saints fan. However, there are things that, again, as I said in my open, got to bring the Derry Downer part of it. It's the realistic part of, of, of it. And the realistic part of this whole thing is, okay, after you play Tennessee at home, which is no gimme, by the way, I mean, the Saints' rushing defense last year, frankly, wasn't very good. So uh, that's part of what they tried to do this year in the draft and get Brian Bassey and Isaiah Foskey. That's going to hopefully shore up this rushing defense. So you play Derrick Henry in Tennessee at home, that's great. But the problem with that is, after that game, You play, not only do you play four of the next five games on the road, but you play seven of the next ten games on the road. One of them is on a Thursday sandwiched in between two road games, play at home on a Thursday, go back on the road. And to me, that is incredibly tough. I don't know who put this schedule together. And I'm not trying to say, oh, well. You know, I'm not the NFL hates the Saints. I, that, you know, you know, if you've listened to any of these shows, you know, I don't think that, nor is it true. Oh, the NFL hates the Saints. No, the NFL does not give a rat's ass about the Saints. Okay. They like New Orleans. They like coming back to New Orleans. I think as long as I'm alive, the Saints will be in New Orleans. That's the way that I feel. But that being said, I mean, you look at this schedule, you take an easy schedule and you made it as hard as you possibly could. And maybe that's, you know, maybe that's fair, I guess. If you have the 32nd toughest schedule in the NFL, maybe you're supposed to make it hard. I haven't had time to go through the other ones that are supposed to be easy. I don't know Atlanta's schedule. 
I mean, Atlanta is, you know, when you look at just about any way that strength of schedule is put together, it's Saints and Atlanta or the bottom two. Whether it's Atlanta's the easiest or the Saints are the easiest, either way you put it together, those are the bottom two. So I haven't looked at Atlanta's schedule, and I don't know how it, it fares. But when you talk about going to Carolina, it's the, another thing. The Saints have three games in a row. They, their first three games are somebody's home opener. Their own home opener on September the 10th against Tennessee, we talked about. The next week on September the 18th, they play Carolina on a Monday night in Charlotte. First home game for Bryce Young. That crowd is going to be fired up. And then the Green Bay Packers on September the 24th. Now, granted, you don't have to go to Green Bay in the winter, so it's not going to be the frozen tundra of Lambeau Field. But it's the first home game for Jordan Love in the post-Aaron Rodgers days. No easy feat. But if they can find a way to go 2-1 and one through that stretch, then they get Tampa Bay, but then they have to go back on the road at New England. How good are they going to be? The Saints have not played well in New England. That's, of course, they haven't played well in New England because Tom Brady was there forever. So that's part of it, obviously. They play at Houston. Going to be a much better team. They come home on a Thursday night. Again, haven't been home since October the 1st. <clears throat> Excuse me. And then they come home on October 19th and play Jacksonville and then go back on the road to Indianapolis. So, I don't know. The, the seven road games out of ten bothers me. And I, I wrote this in a, um, I don't even know where I wrote this. I think I wrote it in the newsletter. But you, you talk about when the Saints play at home on December the 3rd against Detroit. Think about this. On December the 3rd, before that game against Detroit, they will only played two home games in the Dome on a Sunday since that opener. So they play the opener. They have two more home Sunday games after September the 10th, two, until they play at home on December the 3rd. That is insane. That's less than one a month. They play home on October the 1st, which is a Sunday. They play home on November the 5th, which is a Sunday. The other home game before December the 3rd is on a Thursday night against Jacksonville. And then you play three in a row. Detroit, Carolina, and the Giants. Three, three home games in a row. And there, I do like the bye week. It's in week 11. I think that's about the perfect time these days for a bye week. I used to think a little bit earlier was better. But now with the season being longer and you're playing 17 games, I think week 11, week 10, week 11 is about right. So, I don't know. There are interesting – if they can go – if they can have seven wins by the time they get to week number 13 against Detroit, um, let's see, that would be, what, 11 games? So if they, if they were – they're seven and four by the time they play Detroit, which is possible, even if they're six and five. I mean, they've got an excellent chance to make noise because you got to think that schedule at the end is favorable. Detroit, Carolina, the Giants, at the Rams, we don't know how good they're going to be or how bad. That's on a Thursday which is a little worrisome. You, you play three in a row at home, then you got to go across the week of Christmas and you play at the Rams. The good news is once you play that, you can come home and spend Christmas with your family. And then at uh, Tampa Bay on December the 31st. So, you know, and come home and finish at Atlanta, which end up, I mean, theoretically, don't be surprised if that game against Atlanta on January the 7th is for the NFC South title. I, I think it's 
all it's completely possible. So interesting schedule. Again, we get into it with Zach. Uh, we talk about it for about 25 minutes. When we talked in Bayou Beth yesterday, we didn't know the dates. We knew a couple of them. We knew some of them, but we didn't know the whole schedule and how it would work out. And, um, you know, I just didn't foresee four out of five home games in the first six weeks of the season. I certainly didn't see seven of ten uh, from weeks two through weeks 12. That's tough. I mean, that's that's really tough. You know, you play at home on October 1st, you don't play at home again until the 19th. Um, you go back on the road, you come home, play Chicago on November the 5th at home, and then you don't play at home again until December the 3rd. So going a month without playing at home, and they almost do it twice. That that's that's kind of tough. Even if you got an easy schedule. Cuz frankly there really is no true easy schedule in the NFL anymore anyway. That's just my thoughts on that. So, let's get to Zach and talk about it uh and then we run right into Derek uh Gould again of the Post Dispatch uh in St. Louis. Great baseball beat writer. We talk about baseball rules, we talk the new rules, we talk about uh his biggest surprises, um, things he sees that may happen in the future. Uh, we talk about a lot of things. And I think both are very good conversations, and they're coming on right now. Uh, Zach, what's going on this morning? Oh, not too much. I'm trying to, I'm trying to track this golf tournament, but it's, it might be my worst, my worst week of golf betting of the season so far, so I might give up on it too. You got K.H. Lee in there? I don't have K.H. Lee. I faded him, but I also faded Scotty thinking – Oh, maybe uh, he's looking ahead to the PGA. He's only, what, 10 under? Yeah, he's he's right there, and it's looking like he's stalking. So, you know, uh, yeah. just another Friday. One, one yeah. more Friday with the kids in school, by the way. So, uh, Don't remind me. You know, I'm going to get into that in my monologue for sure. By the way, anyone who's watching uh, after we do this show, I put it together, uh, and I add my monologue. Uh, they'll, I'll be rambling all over the place in my monologue this morning. So make sure you catch that. I'm sure that that's a great sell. Uh, wherever you he find your podcast, wherever you, wherever you find your podcast. Uh, I don't know what my closing song is going to be today. We'll have to figure that out as we go along. Uh, that'll be on up wherever you get your podcast around 11, 1130 this morning. All right, Zach, let's get to it and talk about the saints and the schedule release yesterday. Um, any surprises as far as, you know, you look at what's here, uh, at the bottom of the screen, I also have a full screen graphic that I'll show in a minute. But uh, any surprises to you? Not really. Um, you know, you pointed out yesterday that they, the first half of the schedule is very road heavy. Um, you know, I think it's, is it four of the first six games and seven of the first ten games are yeah. road games? Of course, the, the flip side of that is you mean you're spending December in the Dome, um, which, you know, for a team that, is not used to playing in cold weather. There are no cold weather games on here. Your only outdoor game after uh, what? Geez. After October 8th, your only outdoor game is New Year's Eve in Tampa Bay. I guess I didn't realize that until looking at it right now. Not um, either, to so, be honest. So, yeah, that, that may be a plus. Um, I, I Look, I mean, I, I think it's set up for success, but like Trav is saying down there, I don't think you can – count any chickens right like i i guess you never count on, chickens with this team yes yesterday on bayou bets i i said i was really optimistic and i guess i need to explain i'm not optimistic that this is a super bowl winner um i don't think they're in the top tier of the nfl i don't think they're the eagles the chiefs 49ers bills Bengals. that though that tier I, but i do think they may be the tier below that and against this schedule 
Um, I, there's no reason that shouldn't mean 11 and six or better. I, I just, you know, you look at, okay, let's say after week 12, after they go to Atlanta, they're six and five. They could finish 11 and six. I mean, that schedule is soft to finish. Yeah. I don't disagree with that at all. That part of it at all. You know, it makes me a little nervous. And, and Jeff Duncan, um, you know, wrote a, a column yesterday uh, right after the schedule was released and was talking about, you know, his easiest games and his hardest games and all this. And one of the easiest games he has is at Carolina in week two. I don't get that at all. I don't agree with that at all. I think that's actually one of the one of the tougher games. You're playing three, basically three home openers, your own in week one. You're playing Carolina's home opener in week two, and you're playing Green Bay's op- home opener in week three. And you're talking about a Carolina team on Monday night's going to be fired up. Bryce Young's first home game. And then Green Bay, you're going to Green Bay. Jordan Love's first home game as the official starter post Aaron Rodgers. I, I mean, I, I don't understand. Uh, you know, it's, it's, it, it's going to be, it's going to be, that's, that is a tough opening. And then, you know, Tampa Bay is not very good. You get them at home at New England. We don't know how good they are at Houston. So then, then there are games you can win, but the seven out of 10 thing on the road definitely is a, is a cause of concern for me. Yeah. Th- there's certainly a path. I, I don't think they're going to start four and because they're yeah. just not, they're not going to be that consistent, but there's a path to three and one there. Um, you know, they, they, they're favored by three and a half against Tennessee. They should be favored against Carolina. And I get what Dunk is saying, because if you want to get Bryce Young, you'd probably rather get him early in the year. And of course they get him twice, but um, the, the road trip will be early in the year before Bryce Young is settled into the speed of NFL football and uh, before the Panthers maybe know exactly what they have and what kind of playbook to use with him. Um, now, everything you read about Bryce Young says the guy is as pro-ready as a prospect could be, but th- they said the same thing about Trevor Lawrence, and it, it takes time. Um, and so I do, I do get, if you get him early, um, you know, you're probably favored in that game. I don't know that they'll be favored at Green Bay. We'll see. It, it'll depend on how the first two weeks will do. And then you'll be favored against Tampa Bay. So if you could go 3-1 and one in those games – yeah, I think there'd be a lot of optimism. And then you have some margin for error. You know, if right. you lose at New England or you lose to Jacksonville, you lose at Minnesota, I mean, no problem because you you built up some wins and you could still get to that six and five, seven and four mark going into your your kind of easier closing stretch. Jim Derry here along with Zach Ewing. Datitude episode number 150, uh, if you're just joining us. So it's a, spe- a special moment for us here at Datitude to, to make it to 150 episodes. If you would have told me the over-under on this show – was going to be 50, I'd have been waffling back and forth. I don't know if we would have made it, but we've made it. So we've kept going. So we're going to be kind of hit or miss over the summer as we take a little break coming up. Um, We are going to try to get some, uh, have some really good guests for you over the summer and see what happens. And uh, we'll be, we'll be on a few times in June, but this is going to be the last show of the month of May for sure. As we take a break next week and then Memorial day weekend, the weekend after that, uh, and we'll be back in June for sure. Uh, Keto, I think this is the this is the guy here who who thinks gambling is a mortal sin and is going to end the world. So I'm going to show. I don't know exactly what you mean. What are we going to tell the world that football is fake? Um, is he talking about the scripted thing, like the Saints riffed on in their schedule release video yesterday? I, I'm um, not sure what he's talking about to be honest. Look, but I I don't think Jim, any NFL of us are saying football. <laughs> gambling would be a lot easier. It'd be a lot no easier kidding. We'd make a lot of money, wouldn't we? Yeah. 
I mean, I, w- I certainly wouldn't be happy about a you know fifty four percent win rate in my NFL picks column if it was scripted and I you know and I got forty six percent wrong. That that wouldn't that wouldn't be a good thing. I don't think uh, I'd be the right person for this script. job. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I got to get the script for sure. Um, you know, you talk about the the end of the schedule and where what the the easier, you know, we just don't know how good some of these teams are. I mean, a lot of people are predicting that Atlanta is going to be much better this, this year, you know, Desmond Ritter, by the time the saints get to Desmond Ritter in week 12, um, he will have had, will have had 10, 11 games under his belt. And, uh, that's a big deal to me. And then, so to me, a lot of people are saying, I think Carolina is the second best team in, in the division. However, most of the talking heads and the sports books think that Atlanta is going to give the Saints a run for their money. So, you know, you talk about the NFL doing schedule things a certain way. You get Atlanta twice there in the last, what, seven weeks, uh, and there's a reason for that. The, they, the NFL thinks that Atlanta and the Saints are going to be jo- jockeying back and forth, and those games could be could loom huge towards the end of the season, Zach. Can you imagine, what is that, January 7th or whatever it'll be in the Dome, NFC South on the line, the Falcons in town. Oh, um, it's it. I, I could my. I need my earplugs right now. Just thinking about it. A game that means something in January. I know. Um, you, you know, look. I, it's hard. It, it's a hard division to predict. Other than I don't think it's going to be very good. But the Saints are not the only team that has an easy schedule. Everybody gets the AFC South. Um, everybody gets the NFC North, which is kind of right. cycling down. So everybody's going to have an opportunity to rack up some wins now. The, the teams you play in the other divisions, the other, what, four games, three games, are different. Um, you know, Tampa Bay won the division, so they've got to play Buffalo and Dallas and, um, I, I guess, uh, San Francisco, while everybody else has something easy. But we don't think the Bucks will be any good anyway. Like, if I'm honest, I think the Bucks, the Bucks may have a chance at the Williams. Yeah, I think the Bucks are the, clearly the worst team in the, in the league. Yeah. Like, you, you could be looking at Bryce Young and Caleb Williams in this division. Yeah. For, for I, I think that's absolutely a possibility because they're going to have a lot of changes after the season's over as well. Um, and, you know, you're talking about this, this whole quarterback scene could look different in this division come next year. You're talking about four guys who over the course of what two seasons or three, se- two and a half seasons really um, could, could all be new. And one of those you're guys, about Desmond Ritter, I'm sorry, Jim, you talking about Desmond Ritter. My point on that was if he is not considerably better by week 12, It'll be Taylor Heineke. I, I don't think Desmond Ritter will start that game if he doesn't show some improvement. Because Taylor Heineke can win games. He's shown that. There's no question. But, he, you know, he's been hit or miss as well for the commanders over the course of his career. All right. Um, I want to – that kind of segues into one thing we want to show. We want to promo here on our Bayou Bet show on Mondays and Thursdays. Um, Zach is going to be having a weekly conversation with Saints quarterback Derek Carr. He's known Derek Carr for quite a while since he was in high school. Covered him in, back in high school. That shows – Zach's starting to get a little bit older now. Uh, he's got some gray hair. Like 16 years ago? Yeah. Yeah. So there you go. But uh, we have a little intro conversation that we cut a clip from that we want to show you that we're going to have, again, every week on the Bayou Bet Show, Zach and Derek just chatting it up. Here you go. Here's a little clip. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Derek Carr, and I'm here with my good friend, Zach Ewing, who I've known for a long time with the Times-Picune and NOLA.com, and we got a cool project that we're working on. 
Now, I know Derek's new to New Orleans, but he's not joking. We actually have known each other for a long time, mm -hmm. uh, going back to Derek's high school days in California. And our project this year will be to bring you a weekly one-on-one -on -one exclusive interview between me and Derek. And you can only get the answers on NOLA.com or in that week's Advocate and Times Picayune. Mm -hmm. So, Derek, the idea of this is we get to ask you all tough questions. We yeah. get to ask you some easy questions. We'll ask you whatever we want, and hopefully the answers will be a little bit more in-depth than they would be in a press conference setting. Mm. Um, so let's get started. Let's do a little preseason uh, Q&A here. Yep. What brought you to New Orleans? That's, that's the question yeah. on everybody's mind. You know, it's definitely um, the family atmosphere, not just inside the building, um, but everywhere around town. You know, when I came on my little visit, you know, when they didn't know if I was traded or not traded, all these kind of things, what was going to happen, uh, the, the southern hospitality that I was so used to in Houston and really in the Central Valley of California, you know, I just fell in love with the people of New Orleans. And I remember telling my wife, I was like, I want to win for these people. You know, I want to win for this community. And uh, I, I fell in love. That's convenient because that's what the people want too. So um, you're at a little bit of a crossroads in your career. I don't know that you thought you'd be with a new team even a year ago. So uh, this is different. How have you adjusted and, and what are you really focused on in the off season? Well, I, it has been new, you know. I did not ever think this day would come, but it happens. You know, it's professional football, it's professional sports, it happens. And, uh, you know, I, what, a, what an amazing situation that I was able to be a part of here, you know, and to, you know, be a part of this team. Um, although when I walk and I look down and there's gold on the ground, I think I'm in the wrong place. You know, I'm getting used to the gold. It's always been silver and black for me. But um, I, I think it was just the team you know, you know, just taking me in and saying, just be you, you know, I get to come in here and I don't have to create a culture. The culture has been created here for the last 20 years. You know, I get to come in and just step in and just be myself and try and be a great teammate and help serve any way that I can. Zach, what did you get out of the, out of that? And, you know, you probably hadn't talked to him in quite a while, but uh, what is your sense of, you know, Derek, I, I sense Derek Carr is just a genuine guy kind of, we talked about it on Bayou Bets yesterday. It just kind of fits the mold uh, of what the Saints are hoping to have at quarterback and uh, really just their, their mold for every position, really. And uh, I think he's going to bring a lot to this team. Yeah, I, I mean, Derek hasn't changed. Like, that, that's really what I took out of it. The guy is, uh, the last time I talked to him in person was probably seven years ago. Uh, I used to go up to Oakland and cover some Raiders games when I was in Bakersfield um, and would talk him after the game briefly. And so, so, you know, he's, he's as genuine as ever. He wants to be a good guy. He wants to be known as a good guy. It's important to him. Um, one, one thing I actually learned on Wednesday when I was down there is he, he takes Thursdays. He tries to take Thursdays off for his family as completely as he can. He, he wants all media obligations to be loaded up on him on, on Wednesday. Um, and, hey, I want Thursday with my family. And I don't know. I, I, I guess I don't know how that compares to a normal NFL quarterback or if they prefer it spread out or if they're in the facility every day, but like Thursday's his family, day, right? He's got four kids under the age of 10. So Yikes. Um, the, the guys, he, he's just, he's kind of what you see is what you get. And that whole family is like that. They're good people. And um, you know, I, I don't, it's, it's hard to say that fame has really changed him at all. I got two under the age of 12 and that's, that's about as much as I can handle. So I know you understand that. <laughs> I mean, I don't know how you do it. Well, you know, you, you survive every day. Is how you. I guess it's it. easier when you're a multimillionaire. So, 
um, that I'll say. But so, what day are you gonna uh, be meeting with him every week, and uh, what's the schedule for when we'll hear the conversation? So, the way it's gonna work as of right now, what, what everyone's agreed to is that this this one was on video, this intro. The rest of them will likely not be on video, or at least uh-huh. not most of them. And so, it'll be a Q and A kind of transcript that I'll go down and talk to him on a Wednesday, and we'll publish that probably the Friday uh, uh, before games. If the Saints play on Thursday, which we know they do twice this year, then we'll rush it in and get it in Thursday morning's paper. Um, but that, that's sort of the plan right now, and it may evolve. Um, we're not starting it back up again until the preseason, and so it, it, it may evolve between now and then. Last five or ten minutes or so with Zach here this morning as we talk about the Saints and the week one lines. You know, one thing you just brought up is Jerry says he's got the Saints winning 10-plus games this year. That means you like the over nine and a half. I'm not quite ready to say whether I like the over nine and a half this morning. Chris says, good morning. Thank God it's Friday. I'm, I'm with you on that. And soon, though, Zach, in about eight weeks or so, I mean, Friday won't mean much to us. We'll be just rolling through the weekend. It won't be that long before our weekends don't really <laughs> mean much. Yeah, well, uh, <laughs> I, I was looking yesterday because you kind of get excited with the schedule like everybody. It's 17 weeks to the NFL season, right? which means it's 16 weeks to college football season which means it's about, oh, 10 weeks until we got to start working on stuff pr- pretty much, uh, you know, six, seven days a week. So. I get started on the uh, the over-under stuff. Uh, I do this big o- – and did it last year. We did over-under videos for every team. We'll see how that's going to go this year. But uh, I started working on that around the 4th of July. In fact, I think I started working on it a little before then. Uh, I came back from vacation beginning of July, so – I think I'd started working on it actually while I was still on vacation. I was working on some graphics and things. So it does, it's not going to be long. I mean, once you get into the summer, about halfway through the kids' summer, we'll be working on uh, stuff for, for next year for sure. Uh, it's coming up real soon. Uh, before we turn to the week one lines part of the show, uh, there are two things I want to talk about briefly. And that uh, what we talked about the Thursday game aspect. I am not a fan of Thursday games. I don't know which one I like least, and no kidding, no kidding here. No, no trying to spark anything. I don't know which one I like least. Thursday games are games in Europe. I don't like either one of them. But the fact that you have two Thursday games and they're spread apart like they are kind of is, is weird when you come to this schedule, right? I mean, and one of them's at home, one of them's in the road. It just kind of changes the whole outlook towards when you do that week. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you one thing I don't like is that one at L.A. in week 16. Yeah, I agree with that's you. That's a long trip on a short week. I agree uh, with you. That could end up being a really big game. And I can tell you right now when the, the betting line comes out for that game, it's going to be about a point or two toward the Rams more than people thought. And it's gonna, yeah. Well, why are the Rams you know only two-point underdogs? Or why are they, you know, depending on how the teams are doing, why are they only two-point favorites? It's because the Saints are having to you know, travel two time zones on a short week. Um, and then they got now you get a mini buy before you got to go back all the way across the East Coast the next week. So that one's not in a good spot. The uh, first one. Only well, Tampa's okay. only an hour and a half flight, not, so that's not that big of a deal. I, but I, I think that Jacksonville one's only like I mean that Thursday game's going to be like ten days after Jacksonville comes back from its fortnight in London, right? Like so that, I, that I, yes, because that they, they that's exactly be right. A decent spot um, for the Saints to get Jacksonville. Well, the worst um, part about it though is it's it's you're on the road, you're on the road. You know, that's when you're on the road four out of five weeks. And then you come home on a, and you got to play Jacksonville in a short week and then go back on the road. That is a really, I don't know who decided that was a, a good thing for the Saints there. 
I don't know if anybody like goes and reviews things, but every year, you know, overall the schedule, look, it's the easiest. You can't argue with the fact that as far as what you're looking at, it's the easiest schedule in the history of this franchise. I mean, there's no question that it is, but to put it together this way, you can certainly find things about it that, that have you, that give you pause for concern, I guess, because you talk about that four out of five game stretch. And then again, to play Jacksonville at home, on a short week and then have to go back on the road five out of seven. That's the, that's the part of the schedule. The saints really, to me, you talk about potentially starting six and five and people go, there's no way this team's going to start six and five. They'll be much better than that. Um, but I, I think when you look at what they have to do, six and five would not be all that bad of a start with what they have to do. No, I mean, I think seven and four is the goal and six and five is okay. And then, yeah. you, and then you try to really make a run at the end of the year. Um, but, but yeah, you're right. They only have, what is that? Week nine against the bears is November the 5th. That'll be only their third Sunday home game. They have, yeah. they have one Sunday home game in September. And then uh, the Tampa Bay game, I assume is in early October. Maybe it's in late. Maybe they don't have any Sunday home games in October, which is just bizarre. Um, and so, yeah, there's good and bad things about it, but overall you can't complain. The schedule is as easy as it will ever be. And um, I think with the team they have in place, the expectation should be to go win the division. Trav says he's not getting his, his hopes up there. He, he, his hopes got flushed last year. It's not setting himself up again. He'll be watching with no expectations. Um, you know, I want to give one minute to, to the week one lines here, but if you had to bet right now over under nine and a half wins, you're taking the over the under. I'll take the over, but not, not as much confidence as I made it seem like yesterday. I, th- I think yeah. 10 and 7 sounds about right. And, you know, I think they got it right. I think it's a 9-10 win season. I agree. Real quickly, Saints are three-and-a-half-point favorites in week one. Um, that's going to go down, I think, as, as you get closer to the season. So if you like the Saints, well, I would wait. It was three. It's three-and-a-half. Okay. Well, we'll see you know, when we get it. doesn't mean it won't. Yeah, exactly. What is there any line before we get to Derek Gould? Is there any line that jumped out at you and you thought jump on it now or something you're going to be watching as we go along? Cause I definitely have one. I know which one you're thinking of. And I, I don't know that I'm going to jump on any, uh, I don't feel strongly enough to have to hold my money for four months. Well, I know which but, one you're thinking I'm thinking of, but there's another one besides okay, that. Right. We're going to get into uh, that. Yeah. Very quickly. I, you know, the bears being favored over green Bay is surprising. Yeah. I think there's going to be some Jets hype. I'm curious to see. There you go. Like, I, I don't know if I'm going to bet the Jets against the – I mean, bet against the Jets early because I, I think there is a possibility that they're very good. Um, yeah. But I got to see how the Aaron Rodgers thing works. I, I I hear you. I mean, Buffalo minus one at the Jets, I, I don't get that at all. I understand Aaron Rodgers, but, again, I may change my mind when we get closer. I don't know if I'm going to jump on that or not. I think that's going to change. I think – as you get closer, I don't know, maybe the Aaron Rodgers hype will make it stay close to minus one, but I can't imagine the, the Bills being just a one-point favorite uh, at the Meadowlands on Monday night. I get it's Aaron Rodgers' debut and all that. but Jets that's won uh, that game last year, remember, yeah. you know, without Aaron Rodgers, we'll, so it's, we'll, it's not impossible. We'll see. Uh, also, San Francisco, just a three-point favorite at Pittsburgh to start the season. We remember what they did last year, starting in Chicago. It didn't work out real well for them. All right, Zach, uh, we will talk to you on Bayou Bets on Monday and next Thursday. I appreciate you joining this morning. Uh, talk a little bit about the schedule. It's been a lot of fun. Absolutely. Have a good weekend, everybody. Thanks. 
All right, uh, we are going to bring in now Derek Gould, my friend, as we talk about uh, baseball and get into it. And we've been wanting to talk to Derek for a little while now, and we're glad we got him on the show. Derek Gould, how are you this morning? I'm good. How are you, Mr. Derek? Good to see you. I don't know. Remember, when's the last time we actually saw each other in person? It's been a little while now. Um, yeah, I don't know. I haven't been. Oh, I remember. Long. I know. I know exactly when it was. Oh, yeah. Yeah, October of 2016. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yep. Yeah, it was. That was yeah, a special was... moment. Uh, World Series. Uh, game number five is, is when, I, when I saw you, I believe it. Anyway, wow. uh, you know, yep. in your time covering baseball, uh, you know, you have definitely become one of baseball's top beat writers for sure. Um, how, how, how How is it for you to, you know, covering baseball to me is unlike it's even unlike basketball because you get a few days off. Hockey, you get a few days off here and there. Baseball is every day for six months. You got to get ready before the season. You got spring training. You know the Cardinals are usually in the playoffs, so you're you're going well in October. What is it like working every day from February to October? Um, you know, it's uh, they they call it a marathon or a grind. Um, uh-huh. You definitely feel that. Um, you know, it's. Uh, the, you know, I've, I've had the chance, uh, been fortunate enough, as you know, I mean, you knew me there at the Tom's Picayune as the, uh, what is the Slidell Bureau prep Absolutely. Um, but I've been, it's a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. I've been <laughs> fortunate since then to uh, cover the uh, NBA and the NHL and then baseball now for what, 20 seasons. So, um, excuse my dog there. Oh, that's the okay. Yeah. I got one too. I'm surprised he's not barking. Yeah. Well, we'll get them all together in a chorus. I didn't expect this. <laughs> um, she, she might come over here and join us here. Okay. Well, she's welcome to come on to the show yeah. if she wants to. Um, um, but one of the things you mentioned, right? Like about the NBA and the NHL is you do get to go to a place and there's an off day, but you also go place to place, to place, to place, to place. So you never really unpack your carry on luggage. In baseball, you go to a place and you're there usually for three or four days, right? And right. while it's, there's a game every day, you get to unpack a little bit. So it's, it's a little bit different rhythm. Um, but for me, and you, you know this about me, but for me, baseball kind of reflects a newspaper in that it's every day. You know, you got to be there every day. You got to find a way to print the newspaper every day or put the paper out online every day. Um, you know, and I find myself kind of drawing from that, to be honest. Like you, you go day to day because, you know, you just lapse into like a, kind of a newspaper mindset and baseball is there with you. Jim Derry along with Derek Gould this morning, episode number 150. It's a special episode for us. Uh, I can't believe that, like I said with Zach, I can't believe they actually let me do this for 150 episodes. But but here I am and we're, we're, we're still here. So uh, we thank That's you great. for being part of a special episode here on uh, the show. Now that tell me, I hope you, uh, I hope you're, you're covering baseball a little bit better than you played it. I mean, back in the day when, wow. we, had our, when we had our softball team, you know, I, mean, I want I thought I want a batting champ there, buddy. Really? That, yeah. Is on that, softball <laughs> team. I'm pretty sure. And I, I played fast pitch down. Who, who was keeping, who was keeping <laughs> the stats on that team? I don't know, man. I, I seem to recall we were, you know, what it was, uh, they would play overhand softball. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Fast pitch over. Now yeah. somewhere there's this softball floating around. We got to find it. I think we all had our signatures on it, but that was back mm-hmm. in a, in a yeah. young, younger time. Uh, you know, I miss those days a lot. There's so. the, 
There's when we took on the Slidell Century News. Absolutely. That's, is that the one you're talking That's about? That's the one I'm talking about. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I went two for two in that game with a couple RBIs. So I don't, I mean, it's right there on the ball, buddy. Quarter century ago, he remembers. <laughs> <laughs> That's why he's one of the better, uh, you know, baseball writers in the country. He remembers stats. Um, well, when you when you only have a few highlights, you do remember them. The, there's no well. I remember you and Greg Lee were like sliding around a lot. So uh, that, yeah. that's what I remember most about this time. What do you miss about New Orleans? Wow, um, a lot. I mean, I, I I loved my time when I got to live in New Orleans. Um, you know, lived in the city there for uh, not as long as I would have liked. Um, yeah, I uh, I loved. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, that was my first job out of college, and so a lot of ways it like taught me, like it showed me what is the benefit of living in a city, um, and I'm I'm forever appreciative to that. You know, walking around. Um, not, you know, being able to walk to dinner, walk to places I want to go, walk to shop and walk to all this. And then just like the cultural vibe. I just, I love New Orleans. It's like a living muse, man. If you like, you want to be a creative, you know, if you want to write or you want to do music or you want to draw or you want to paint or whatever, you know, you want to be an actor, you want to do all this stuff. I mean, you can't help but find, you know, a muse there in New Orleans. There's no other way around it where, you know, it's just, it's, it's as thick as the humidity. Um, you can find inspiration there. It's I, I miss that. You know, whether it's walking down Pirates Alley to Faulkner House Books or finding a coffee shop to sit and uh, scribble out some postcards or whatever, or uh, or you know, leaving my place to just go write a feature story about uh, someone from uh, what uh, North Shore High, Eastern, or... I guess, or yeah, yeah. <laughs> it uh, would have been good. Um, I didn't realize this until I put my show together uh, over the over the course of the week. But two Mizzou guys are my guests today, yeah. uh, so I'm some good again, booking. I mean, Way episode number one hundred and fifty may it's a special episode, but it may be the last. Who, who, who knows? <laughs> All kidding aside, let's get into some of the things about baseball. Um, you know, when I'm a big baseball guy, and I, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not shy about it. I'll let it, I'll let people know. Look, I know football is the love of this town. And I, I enjoy football, and it's 70% of what my job is involves football. There's no question about that. Mm-hmm. However, that being said, baseball has always been my biggest love uh, since I was a kid. And there's so many things to love about it. And so that being said, going into this year, Derek, looking at these new rules, I had no idea how whether I was going to like them. I thought I wouldn't, to be honest. You know, the the bigger bases, the the, the pitch clock, the – you know, now we're, we're talking about disengagements and how many disengagements a pitcher can have and batters got to be in the box to engage with the pitcher where they say all these different things that have worked out. And I got to be honest, I love all of them. I don't think there's anything that I don't like. It is absolutely without question sped up the game. Mm-hmm. And I think that I think that other sports need to take a look at what baseball's done, uh, i.e. golf, which is on my screen, other screen at the moment. Um and speeding up the game really has made a difference and has made this game much better, in my opinion, over the course of a month. Yeah, it's brought back a lot of the pace to it. Um, you're right. Games are obviously about even like 25 to 30 minutes shorter. Um, radically changed deadline in some ways. Um, but <laughs> um, they, uh, they, I mean, they, there's a lot of pep to them. Um, one of the things that was happening with baseball is it became more of a three true outcome sport is um, it just became like there was less balls in play, there was less action, there was less movement, there was, uh, there was a lot of ponderous moments. And while baseball is great because, for me, one of the reasons why I like baseball is because it has that sustained tension 
of this might be the moment that something great happens or this might be the moment it doesn't. It's different than football where you know the full, you know the ball is going to be snapped, right? Yeah. Well, in a way, baseball has taken that sustained tension and also now given us a, a countdown to when that ball is going to be snapped, right? So it's blended these two elements of, of sports in the sense that you know something's going to take place. Now you know about the time it's going to take place. Um, is this the great moment or is this nothing, right? Is this a great defensive play? Is this a home run um, or is this a ball taken outside of the zone and we do it all again? Um, you know, so I like that aspect of it. I really like the pitch timer. Um, I like some of the strategies that we're seeing with it. Um, I like, you know, how it's an evolving rule in the sense. Um, I like the larger bases. Big fan of the larger bases. I, I thought I would hate that, and I really like it. I love them. And, I, and when, when they were first talking about them four or five years ago and, uh, you know, they were experimenting with them, Theo Epstein would talk about them. I got to be honest, man. I thought it was genius. I thought it was a genius solution to change the math because what had happened was, well, we have all these baseball teams that are risk management, right? And so they became risk averse. And one of the biggest risks is giving away outs. And so now all of a sudden steals were just out. So you right. had this blend of risk management with algorithms and how Tony La Russa would just suppress the running game with, by saying, look, it's the pitchers that stop the runners, not the catchers. we got to flip the script a little bit here. And so you had all these teams that, I mean, look, there were teams that would come into St. Louis and they wouldn't even hide the fact that they were not going to try to steal, not once. And it was, it was partially because they, or a lot because they had Yadier Molina behind the plate, but also because they knew that the pitchers would vary their times. They'd do different things. They'd look over. They'd do all these things that Tony La Russa brought in or at least popularized and there just was no reason to steal. Larger bases is a, just a, ge- a genius solution to a small problem because what it's done is it's changed the math just a little bit by adding that three inches, but it changes the math, and I, I think that's awesome. I am still and will forever be against the shift rule. I think you should allow shifts in baseball. I don't have a problem with shifts. I think we're already seeing them leak over. Um, I think that's a part of a strategy. I don't remember people complaining when Ozzie Smith or any of the great defensive players used their instincts, Jose Akendo, for example, here in St. Louis, when they used their instincts to position themselves for hitter, everybody would talk about, what a wise play. What a great thing. Look, he knew where that guy was going to hit it. Oh, man, he responded. What instincts? And now we've taken that away. We've legislated against strategy, um, which I, I, I don't like that in baseball. Um, I, I don't really remember too many times where that's been the case in baseball. Um, so, I, But it's here. It's here to stay. They're going to allow the shift. That's fine. It's aesthetically pleasing. But I worry about, like, you know, the message there. Do you th- So you don't think that it'll ever come back? No, I don't think it'll ever come back. I, I'm actually I'm, – I know I'm in the minority as far as fans and at least, you know, those who make baseball part of their lives every day. When I say that, I didn't like the shift. I never liked the shift. Um Oh, but, no, I would say you actually most people in the press box agree with you. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah most yeah. of the people I hear on TV and, and talk about it, and I know that, that people that I talk to who love baseball, they thought the way that you thought. And so. Interesting. Well, I'm, uh, I'm, re- I'm reassured to hear that because I'm surrounded by people that look at me like I'm lost my you know, marbles. Well, I mean, you know, to me. Maybe it's, it's another reason that they look at me that way, but that's all well, right. Well, I was going to say that that's, that's probably more the case here with Derek Gould of the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Um, STLtoday.com, Derek Gould. Um, what's, I want to compliment you on your shirt, though. I see that you got the uh, the Tom. You got the old school, man. Yeah, it the, is. Yeah. It's yeah. sharp. It, 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 
it's the fact that I can wear it. I'm just thrilled that it's not, you know. Because, you know, as you go along in your career, maybe not for you, but I know you're on the road a lot, so you, you probably don't eat as healthy as you would like all the time. Um, I know you probably try to, but, you know, I certainly don't. I live in New Orleans, for God's sake. So <laughs> the fact that I can still wear the shirt, I'm proud of. It's probably a good thing that New Orleans isn't on my uh, regular schedule then. Yeah, well, you know, you know, you and Erica need to get down here for sure. Yes, that'd be in, great. In the off season. I would like do that. that. Um one question before about rules before I ask you for uh, about a couple things this season. Mm-hmm. And uh we got about I guess about five or ten minutes left in the show. But I want to ask you, do you ever think I would have never been for this five or you know, ten years ago for sure, probably not even five years ago, but I am ready for it now. And I hate to be railing on them because I think overall they do a really good job, but I'm ready for the home plate robo ump. When are we going to get the, I mean, do you think, and I know they're trying it out in the minor leagues. Do you think that it's possible that the major leagues will see an automated computerized strike zone? Yes. Um, I think that's coming. I think it's not exactly maybe as most people think. And so let, let me uh, kind of, I, I, I actually think a lot about this and talk to a lot of people about mm-hmm. it um, and was there in Florida. Um, this is about three, gosh, it, it might've been 2020 before everything shut down. Um, where there was a test drive at Roger Dean Stadium with some of the veteran players. So Nolan Arenado, Paul Goldschmidt, they were all out there, and they were working with what's called the ABS, Automated Balls and Strikes. So um, the ABS system, one of the things for Major League Baseball is that they didn't see the reason, and I completely get this, that to introduce it unless it was foolproof, right? Because as frustrating as people get with umpires, they're still better than like a fielding percentage, right? So they're still they're calling if you hundreds say so. Of, well, I mean, they, yeah, you do the study on it. I mean, even like the ump trackers on online, you rarely see one that is like, you know, 85%, right, where they're calling Fair pitches. Enough. They're, yeah. usually, they're usually, if you're in a grading scale, they're usually in the A's, right? You know, in the 94 to 98. So if you can't get a computer to do better than that, right, right. then why have it? Right. Because you need a computer to be 100%, you know, the automated, right? That's the goal. Right. So um, they needed to get the technology there. And I know that a lot uh, Derek froze up on us a little a lot bit. Of folks were like, well, that's yeah. wrong. And one, one of the things that we went to um, that lo- we looked at is like there was a ball straight down the middle and the ump called it a strike and the Fox track called it a ball. And they're like, something got in the way of the camera and it was like a hot dog wrapper or something like that. And it was like, it was like the ump got it right, but everybody at home is screaming, going, wait a minute, what? That was a ball. Right. Um, right. So anyway, so it had to be foolproof, and it had to be better than what the tech was at the time. The other thing that's happening, and this is key, and I'll, I'll, I'd like to get your feedback on this, is it's going to be a challenge system, most likely. It's not going to be like where the ABS is calling the balls and strikes every pitch. It's going to be a case where... Interesting where it, the way they're running it now in Florida is it's a challenge system where the batter or the catcher can challenge. And it's a simple move. You know, if a uh, ball over the plate, catcher goes, you know, ump calls it a ball, catcher thinks it's a strike, he goes like this. And then over the speaker, you hear ABS go strike, and it changes. Interesting. And that way it's not. So you would, have, so, so you would have a certain number per bat, or how would yeah. that work? You would have one, one per, per bat. Per bat. Um, and then the hitter can choose when to use it. Obviously, obviously, you wouldn't use it early on the count unless you think it's egregious. 
Um, but they mm. test tested this out for the concern that it would slow games down and all that, uh-huh. and it hasn't. And it's and you can actually look some of these up. I think on YouTube in the Florida State League where they ran it, and some of them are fantastic. Where you see a breaking ball um, that you know is called a strike on a hitter, and the ump calls him out, and the ump, and the batter just stands there, puts his hand on his helmet, and you hear ABS come over the plate, ball, and he takes his base. And I mean, it's it's and the crowd reacts and everything like that. It's it's it has the potential to be pretty streamlined and kind of cool. I would have a couple concerns with this. Uh, first off, um, you know, we've done a lot over the course of the past few years with the with replay that I think has helped uh, relations between managers and umpires and even players and umpires, uh, mm-hmm. which I think was needed uh, in the Bobby Cox days. Uh, let's just put it that way. Um, this would maybe, you know, it's one big thing is a home plate umpire just doesn't want his balls and strikes calls challenged. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, that, that would worry me a little bit. And then you talk about slowing the game down. I mean, I, I have a hard time believing that it, it wouldn't, I mean, I guess I would have to see proof, but then if you're going to do this and have this challenge, then why wouldn't you just go all the way and just do it all the time? What, what, what is the difference between having a computer column for every pitch and having have them call them only when there's a challenge needed. I don't understand why that would be any different. I think why wouldn't you just pick one or the other? Well, I think I mean I understand where you're coming from. I don't know what what would that how would that look like? Would the umpire just be proxy to a computer then, or would you even need an no. umpire? I mean, you'd need an umpire there, right? For sure, or, you'd still need a home plate umpire, but he would just be like like he would be in the field. Um, I think. I don't think the there. umpire would. Yeah, I think the, uh, they just stand there in the field. What's the difference? I mean, I mean, I, my, I don't know. I, mean, I know it's weird, but, yeah. but so are the big bases, and we've gotten used to those in a month. Well, I, I mean, yeah, I didn't think the big bases were all that. I think it, I, you know, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I mean, I guess you would have that umpire stand off to the side. Yeah, he wouldn't because, stay. Yeah, absolutely. Because why would he risk getting a concussion if he's not going to? Oh, no, 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 100%. Um, so he'd just stand off to the side and then rush over when there was a play at the plate. Um, I, you know, I, I think we'd all get used to that. I think most of it is just like the timing of it. Right. And the yeah. fact that like the umps don't, they don't get, they don't get like eight out of 10 wrong, you know, for the most, the, I don't the, disagree with that. The average ump still gets eight out of 10. Right. That's so, not a good, per, that's not a good percentage though. It's not, but it's, I mean, I'm just saying like, uh, all uh, right. uh, I'm saying that that's the least I'm not saying, I guess I spoke wrong. That's the least that they get right, right? They they might miss on two every ten, but now you have a challenge, and now it's over. So why would you slow the game down with that intermediary? I don't know if it's because they think this is coming one day, um, and it's in their subconscious. Because obviously they're not going to do this on purpose. But I have, and you can tell me if you think I'm wrong. But I think over the course of the last five years, balls and strikes calls have been progressively gotten progressively worse. Um, and I know that they made um, a concerted effort to expand the strike zone a little bit mm-hmm. um, when they talked about, you know, we're going to call strike zone a little bit higher than it was before yeah. or whatever it was. And, and I think since then, and, you know, we didn't want these personalized strike zone. Everybody's got to, first of all, they're humans. You can't change that part of it. They're all going to have personalized strike right, zone. But, right, right. but I think we've seen over the course of the past five years, because they've tried to expand these strike zones, they've got progressively worse. Whereas we're seeing pitchers that are five and six inches outside 
being called strikes. And we, I think we see more strikes called than, than, than balls being called when it's a strike, but it, it's just, I don't, again, I don't know if it's the umpires know that this is coming one day, but it's certainly different and it's getting worse. And I guess either, either go to the computer or go back to telling the umps, you know what, call it the way that you think that it is, but something's got to change. It's getting every year it gets worse. And I'm not just saying that it, it's worse from last year. And I thought last year was bad. So, I mean, that's, that's where I'm at. No, and I, I hear where you're coming from. I, th- I think there's a couple things happening. I think we're more aware of it, right? And also, I think there are more studies Possible. done, and it's more public. I think what they, um, the, uh, the ump grades on Twitter, the framing grades, all the analytics with StatCast, all that stuff, they're all available. Um, and I, I think they do a great job of it where you, uh, you know, where you can, where fans can have access to that. And apparently... Apparently my dog. Oh, well, he, he doesn't. Yeah. He, your dog doesn't like the, uh, the strike calls either. No, no. Nah, nah. But I, I understand where you're coming from. I think it's awareness mostly, right. That has added to the sense that like, gosh, you know, the strike zone is, is there strike balls and strikes are so much, you know, are, are not called like they were 10 years ago. Now I think we just know more about them and we're right. able to measure them. Um, right. you know, to your point about like, you know, they, they're graded on this, right. There is the, you know, umpires do get, you know, grades on this. They, they are alerted when like they miss a key pitch or any pitch. Um, and while that's done privately and I know their fans are like, well, where's the accountability? Why don't, why don't some of the umps who struggle with it get that grade that you struggled with it? Why don't you then stop seeing that ump behind the plate? That's fair. That's a fair discussion. You don't see them in the postseason too much, right? Yeah. Like there's some uh, of that grading sure. that goes on. Um, but Major League Baseball does have an evaluation process, and I, I think you've seen – I actually think you've seen umps adjust to replay fantastically, and you see them make the calls quickly. I agree knowing, with that as well. Knowing that they have replay as a backup. And I think the ABS would be similar to that. It would, it would clean up some of that because they would know that they have Hawkman over there or whatever it is, Hawkeye, Hawkman. There's a comic book reference. Hawkeye. Um, over their shoulder or whatever radar system is used to uh, to track that, um, I think you would see an adjustment there that actually would be beneficial. You've always been a Marvel kind of guy, haven't you? Yeah, but that, then I had my chance and I made an accidental DC reference. I'm very disappointed. Okay, well, you know, and, and by the way, that's those the name who, of my dog, actually, Marvel. That's is that's it really? Dog. Yeah. Uh. For those who don't know, and probably most of you, I mean, Derek Gould is an He's not just an outstanding writer. The man can draw. I mean, he, he is uh, he has got his inner Walt Handelsman in there somewhere. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, that that comes out. You are fantastic at that, by the way. Uh, and you know, the, the fact that I'm giving you all these compliments in the the matter of a half yeah, hour, yeah. it's, re, it's really kind of hurting me inside. So I know, I know. But, but you but can I, always claim you knew me when and tell the truth. I, I absolutely did. Um, but before we let you go, I do want to talk about. Uh, I want to spend a couple minutes on. Maybe you can give me a couple surprise. Your biggest surprises so far, and I mm. want to ask you about maybe your biggest surprises that you think are to come. Obviously. Your Cardinals aren't playing as well as many people expected. I know it's kind of a transition year uh, in St. Louis. My Cubs, I guess overall, they're they're playing better than than a lot of people projected. Although mm-hmm. they've had a kind of a rough rough week and a half or so, uh, especially against the Cardinals, uh, losing the first two of that series. I, I didn't realize Cardinals were zero and eleven in season 
and uh, series opening games before before yeah. the Cubs said, you know what, we'll help you out a little bit. But uh, yeah, the ever courteous Cubs, um, always. so thoughtful. Such great hosts. <laughs> they really are. I mean, yeah. they don't call it the friendly confines for nothing. Uh, what are your biggest surprises so far? Uh, obviously, the Rays are, have had just an incredible start. But overall, yeah. what would and it doesn't even have to be a team. Just just in general, what have you seen that that you that surprises you? I mean, the biggest surprise is the Cardinals are off to their worst start in 116 years. That's a shame. Um, you know, that, I mean, that's by far the biggest surprise. Um, you mentioned that it was a transition year. I mean, I guess a trans. I'm not sure, you know, uh, you know, they expect to contend. Staff. The, yeah, staff. well, but that was, the, I mean, they would not agree with that much as we would say that. And I would totally agree with you that they left themselves exposed on the pitching staff and try to write about it all year. They, they were lacking innings. Um, they felt like that they were going to get um, better from this pitching group. Um, and they should, they should be, to be candid, the division shouldn't be close. I mean, when right. you look at the rosters and you look at where things are going, um, you know, the Brewers have been better, but they still have some decisions to make with their pitching staff and whether or not they're going to keep their starters. This division should have been um, a coronation season for the Cardinals. Um, I agree. And it's not. And not only is it not that in the sense that they are being challenged, um, is that they're way, way out of it. Um, they're 10 games out at the end of April. Um, that is the biggest surprise. That, you know, I mean, you could throw in the Yankees, the fact that the Yankees and Cardinals are both in last place is, remarkable um this early that'll change obviously um but both teams had high hopes um both teams had world series aspirations uh and for me the biggest surprise is just how poorly the cardinals have played and how long their losing took place Uh, on the other end i think the rays are fantastic um and the fact that all of the teams in that division have um winning records even the orioles yeah which is i think um you know, I'm not sure it's a surprise, but it's a pleasant, um, I guess it's a, it's something that's good about the start of the season is two things. One, I felt the Cubs were going to make noise in the central, whether they win it or not. I didn't think that would be the case, but I thought they could determine it like that. They would be the pesky team that would help decide who won it. Right. And that the Cardinals would emerge from that. But um, I thought the Orioles might have that same role in the American East, American League East, and I, I think that's that's fantastic. I think it's good that they're there with sharp elbows, with talent coming, and they're starting to compete in ways that maybe, maybe, maybe because of the schedule, because of the new CBA, um, once these RSN feeds are kind of sorted out, which is the last thing I'll mention, um, that maybe we see the end of the era of tanking taking place here. Maybe we see that cycling out of the game and these teams pulling the plug on entire seasons um, and dropping purposefully to about 100 wins, or I'm sorry, 100 losses as strategy. strategy. Um, maybe we're seeing that cycle out of the game, get purged from the game, and that would be a great thing. Um, the last thing is, um, I think there's a reckoning in baseball, and we're going to watch it happen in real time when it comes to the broadcast rights. Um, the, you know, the, the balloon really? popped as far as, the, you know, the rates um, and what, what teams can command for their broadcast fees. Um, but because the Diamond Sports and the Valley Sports, um, you know, they filed bankruptcy, for bankruptcy yeah. um, you're going to see teams more active, more aware, um, and more aggressive in what they want their product to be for fans and how they want to access it. And I think over the course of this season, or definitely over the next course of 12 months, 
we're going to see, you know, if we're going to soon see the dropping of the blackout rules and make baseball available God, please, to everybody. Please. Um, so, you know, and put more on streaming. And I, I think that is such an important move for baseball to get out of what, you know, the local ownership calls this antiquated system to one that makes baseball available on your phone for everybody, no matter where you are. The fact that we here in New Orleans were six hours away from Houston and mm-hmm. nine hours away from Dallas. Um, it's one thing for the Rangers. Cause at least if you have the Bally sports app, you can watch the Rangers, mm-hmm. but we have no access to the Houston Astros whatsoever. And there are tons of Astros fans here in New Orleans. And it, you know, next, next week, the Cubs are playing in Houston. I can't yeah. watch the Cubs next week. It's absurd. So that, that is definitely, that is probably my number one complaint with baseball as it is. I mean, I, I've gotten MLB TV for, I don't know, 15, 16, however long it's been now. Um, but I can't watch the, the Cubs if they're playing in Houston, and I can't watch the Astros at all. But yeah. I mean, well, I think, I think that's going to change. Uh, ownership here in St. Louis, um, among the first, uh, when I asked them, and they were blunt about it, they said that has to change, that has to be an outcome of this kind of reckoning that is going on right yeah. now. Um, that has to be a move. Now, some other teams are going to, they, they may want to push back on it, you know, if they own their own um, network already. But Major League Baseball wants to move in that direction, make baseball available for everybody. The state of Iowa is in this weird spot where they can't get anything. And it's just, you know, or they're blacked out. I, they can get games. But they're blacked out from multiple teams, including your Cubs, the Sox, the Twins, the Brewers, the Cardinals. Really? Yeah. I mean, there are areas that um, have... Few, they cannot they cannot reasonably drive to a major league team, but they also turn on their TV and they're you know they're blocked out of one fifth of the teams available, which that is, is just, insane. It's just that's that's not how it should be. Um, baseball should be available there. The tech is there. The streaming is there, and obviously the interest is there. And back to our original discussion about the rules, the athleticism has never been this great in the game. I agree. And now there's a chance for it to be highlighted. Um, along with the young talent, along with everything. Baseball has a real chance here to, you know, have a golden age, so to speak, but they got to get into the streaming age first. I agree wholeheartedly. We were having this conversation on our Bayou Bet Show yesterday afternoon about basketball, and, mm-hmm. you know, it was Zach Ewing, who was on before you, we were, ar- we're not arguing, we we're, were disagreeing, I guess. He thought that $20 a month was too much to have to be able to subscribe to the Pelicans games on just he thinks the Bally's app is terrible. I think it's not great, but I don't. I wouldn't go as far as he did. But twenty dollars a month to watch Pelicans games, he thinks is is a little ridiculous. I am assuming that baseball will probably go to something along those lines. If you want to just watch, like if I wanted to just watch the Marquee Network, mm-hmm. I could probably subscribe that way, and it would probably cost something along those lines. Or I could still get MLB TV anyway. I think that baseball should kind of follow the NBA's lead almost, in my in my opinion. But, yeah, I'd go one step further and say that they maybe could step ahead of them too in some of these some of these markets that are gonna have that are you know in jeopardy because of yeah. the Valley Sports situation. Yeah. They can make it free to everybody. Just because you know Major League Baseball could take over, the rights fees are kind of in limbo. They could say we're that gonna would've... we're gonna do the production staff, we're gonna do that. And we're going to do it for a team like the Padres, who are now available for everybody. Or we're going to do it for a team that could really use kind of the jolt of a larger audience. We're going to do it for the Rays. 
now all raised games available. You have this. Interesting. You know, you, you have the MLB app on your phone. Enjoy. I mean, imagine if they did that, if the if Bally pulled from San Diego because of the bankruptcy, right? Yeah. Major League Baseball said, we got you covered. Oh, by the way, it's available to everybody. Imagine that, whereas that team is charismatic. It's good. It could win the NL West. It has remarkable games against the Dodgers. And all of a sudden now the entire area of San Diego, or if they broaden it to any baseball fan, is available. You can watch Padres games. What an audience that would create. And the next year you come back with the pay model. Well, I think that's a, well, I'll say, well, I think that's a great idea. I think you would have to be careful because when you wanted to go back, would it hurt you out of the tube? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. So that's an, I mean, at least I think they should at least charge something. That's just me. But anyway, we'll see what happens. Last question. Last question. And I know I have to be careful about how I ask this because you're going to have to be careful about how you answer it Uh, with no disrespect meant whatsoever to Mr. Marmol. Do you think that Yadier Molina will ever manage the St. Louis Cardinals? I, I don't. I, that's you a good don't. question. That's a good question. I'm not sure. I think, that, you know, I, I'm not sure, A, if he wants the time commitment of okay. being the manager. He, he owns a basketball. He seems like a natural fit. It's intriguing I mean, to him, and he's, you know, looked into it. But, um, you know, he owns a basketball team, right? He's the owner of a professional basketball team. Did not know that. Um, in Puerto Rico. He is going to be, if not already, I think he is already, but um, he's going to run the Puerto, R- Puerto Rico's, you know, team in the international champion or uh, competition, uh, be more involved in that. Um, you know, he, he did manage this past winter in Venezuela with a winner t- team. Um, and he he got ejected quite a bit, um, and then was urged because he managed to urged. He was urged. urged not to get ejected during the World Baseball Classic when he was the manager for Puerto Rico's team. Um, so I I think being involved in that is really important to him. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't know. We talk a lot about this, and you know, there's something about the fact that. It's, it might be more likely for him to manage against the Cardinals if somebody takes that uh-huh. chance than manage for the Cardinals. Um, but we'll see. Um, you know, it, a lot of folks want him in the dugout, want Albert Pujols in the dugout, want Adam Wainwright to stick around. And, you know, when I talk to these guys, they, they feel like, you know, they've given 20-plus years of yeah. every summer to baseball. And, you know, Albert Pujols is like, I'd like to travel. You know, I'd like to right. I'd like to go see the world in, I'd like to go see Europe in July. Never, never got a chance to see that. You know, Adam Wainwright has plans to run a farm, which isn't exactly uh, possible if he's gone the entire month. Um, or, Red, you know, my, Red, my mother always said I should have been a farmer. Yeah, yeah. Well, he, <laughs> he's got a great plan, but it's long to explain, but it, it has a charitable aspect to it, so... Um, you know, I don't know if Molina, the time commitment is one that I know he is aware that he'd have to figure out, um, that, you know, he can't last year, he left in the middle of the season, um, when he was the catcher to go attend the championship of his basketball team that you can't do that. You shouldn't be able to do that as a catcher. Um, but he had that power to do that with the Cardinals. Can't do that as a manager. Um, there are no days off from, as you mentioned at the very beginning, from February through what they hope is the end of October. And you got to be willing to make that time commitment. And uh, it's not just, uh, it's not just the title that you get. It's 
all the responsibility and all the hours and also having to deal with the media all the time that you have to factor in there. Well, I'm almost ashamed to admit this, but uh, Yadier Molina is one of my top 10 favorite players of all time because he played the game like it was played in 1968. I mean, yeah. just to me, I can't imagine him catching Bob Gibson. I, nothing against Tim McCarver, but I think that would have been uh, quite a quite a combo if you put those two together. And they probably would have been button heads a little bit. That would have been a fun theater baseball theater for sure back in the, in the day, but uh, they might've had some pitch timer violations, right? There's, no, qu- there's no question. <laughs> I can't imagine someone telling Bob Gibson, he's got to throw a pitch. Uh, not that he, he was pretty fast anyway. He had, he had quick games, but I can't imagine someone telling Bob Gibson, you have to throw the ball in 20 seconds. He'd probably just stand there just to be, you know what? Screw you. I'm going to do it the way that I, that I want to do. But give uh, up four pitch timer violations let the yeah, go first and then pick them off. Yeah, <laughs> something along that. Or just strike the next three guys out. Who knows? Who knows? He'd have fun with it. Uh, Derek, always, thank you so much uh, for, for joining us uh, here. I, I know I've been trying to get you on for a little while now. Uh, maybe towards the end of the season. Look, your Cardinals, you, you may you may not be super busy in October. I mean, that's okay if, if, gonna, if you, if you I aren't. I still cover baseball. Yeah, like, I know. You know, I know. You're, you'll still be there. Yeah. Um, but I'd like to have you on at, at some point either in, in late September or early October just to – have a, a chat and I promise it would be shorter than this one, but we kind of got going on. I haven't talked to you in a while. It, it just kind of, kind of went. So. Well, I appreciate it. It's good to catch up. It's good to see you. It's nice to see the Tom Spicune logo there. It's great. It's uh, I can't believe they still let this old donkey uh, do his thing. They've, they've let me go a few times. They keep bringing me back on like a cockroach. <laughs> uh, maybe I should wear a cockroach shirt. Uh, I don't nah. know. Uh, you know, I'm still nah, they here. No talent. They know talent. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's somewhere. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know. Anyway, you realize that Derek was being completely tongue in cheek when he talked about they know talent. Yeah. I mean, we all know talent. I'm still trying to find it. You, there's a reason why you come back and listen, right? I mean, I don't know it's for the talent. I think it's, it's more of what in the hell is this dumbass going to say next? I really think that's why you come back. But whatever, for whatever reason you keep coming back, we appreciate it. 150 episodes we've made it. it. It's still almost mind-boggling. When I started doing this and I presented the, um, you know, here's the idea for what I want to do for a podcast, I didn't know what it was going to be. I didn't know if it was going to be like a betting podcast or just an overall New Orleans, New Orleans-y kind of podcast, a Saints podcast, um, a national look at whatever podcast. You know, it's kind of been... Obviously, it's Saints-centric, but it's kind of turned into whatever I feel that day. Um, but obviously, I know a lot of you come here and you listen because you want to hear what my take is on the Saints. And uh, again, we appreciate it. Keep on coming back. But you won't come back, at least not for anything new, over the course of the next two weeks because uh, I am going to take uh, off. Datitude is going to take a mini hiatus. We're going to be off next Friday. Uh, and the Friday after that. Uh, the Friday after that is Memorial Day weekend, so we will not uh, air new episodes next Friday or the Friday after. We'll be back the first Friday in June, whatever Friday that is. And I don't have my calendar up, and I'm not going to do it on live uh, radio. Well, it's not live when you listen to it, but I'm not going to make you wait. So whatever the first Friday is in June, that's when we'll be back. We're going to spend some time over the course of the next couple of weeks. I'm going to try to get the uh, lineup. Last year we had Mickey Loomis on, so... We'll see if we can pull that off again or someone of that ilk at the New Orleans Saints. 
We'll see if we can pull it off. Uh, we know Jeff Duncan will probably be on at least once in June, maybe with our Saints guest if we can pull it off. Um, we were lucky enough to have uh, Jim Moore on last year. Maybe we can try to do something like that again. We'll see. Uh, so we've, we've got pl- plenty of options. We're going to look for them. And, again, I'm going to probably take vacation in June, so we may only have two shows the entire month. We'll see how that goes. I know there are uh, some different golf tournaments we're going to look at uh, as well. Uh, what major is in June? The U.S. Open is in June, right? Yeah, Father's Day weekend. So maybe we'll do a special episode for that. We'll see how it goes. But uh, we are definitely going to take some time off as we prepare ourselves for, look, once football season gets going, we don't stop. Um, once I get cranking into those over-under win totals, and we're going to do, um, you know, last year we did a preview for each team. Uh, I think this year we're going to do it, a uh, preview for each division. Now, we're gonna, I'll write a separate post for each team, but I think we're going to do, and we're going to incorporate it into Datitude. So we'll see how that goes. Um, and so, yeah, it's going to be an interesting summer. We just won't have as much Datitude as maybe we had last summer. But that's going to, because we're trying to get ourselves prepared for football season. See how it goes. We thank you for joining the ride. And as I go out today, I was trying to think of how we're going to go out as I do each Friday. Um, And the song that came to my mind having Derek on was Glory Days, right? You know, Derek and I, um, we talk about the the team that we played on. We were, you know, I joke, but we weren't bad. Uh, We were a pretty decent softball team. And it wasn't like softball like you think of, like you flip the ball up. No, it was pretty competitive. It was an overhand, um, fast pitch. You, you played it almost like you played baseball. You just played it with a softball. It was theoretically the pitch was supposed to have a, a loop on it, quote, unquote, air quotes on it, but it never did. Um, and so I was I was the pitcher on that team, and sometimes I had good days and sometimes I didn't, but we all had a lot of fun doing it in glory days. And I look, the 90s, my career in the 90s, when I got started doing this in 1991, uh, Officially, I did it in 1990 as well as, as, a, as a stringer. Um, but officially started on June the 12th, 1991, which is a month from today. So it'll be 32 years next month. And uh, fly by, man. You know, you don't want to believe it when you're a kid and people tell you the days are going to fly by, but they do. And uh, as proof by 150 episodes, those have fl- flown by as well. We thank you for being a part of them. We hope you have a great rest of the month. Don't let those kids drive you crazy. I know I am going to try my best. Not always easy. And when we come back, we're going to share stories. All right? First week, first Friday of June, we'll be back. Until then, everybody have a wonderful time. Peace and love, my friends. (laughs) 